Good morning, family. It's good to be with you all today. We're going to go ahead and now move to our time of sermon lesson notes and also the Belgian confession. So kids, with your parents' permission, if you want to head to the back to get your sermon lesson notes for the day. If you're visiting with us here today at Redemption Hill, we use these notes just as a way basically for our kids to follow along through the sermon. Um, if you have kids, you may want to help them in that endeavor. Uh, it's broken into four categories. It has the big idea, the big problem, big challenge. The very bottom is Jesus is dot, dot, dot. Verse 3 are kind of self-explanatory. Last one I think is probably the most important one because there is where we encourage our kids to be looking for Christ, not just in the sermon they hear today, but in every sermon they hear for the rest of their lives. And they can kind of just jot down what attributes, perfections, roles they see Christ taking on in our sermon today. I'm going to go ahead and quickly move into the Belgic Confession because I think I went slightly long today. And so I'm going to try and hurry through that just, just a bit. Um, but we are in Article 18 of the Belgic, and it is titled The Incarnation. Again, if you're visiting with us, we go through a historic creed, confession, catechism, week by week here at Redemption Hill. For probably over about a year now, we've been in the Belgic Confession, going article by article to help just learn the basics of the faith that we confess and how to articulate it. So we'll go ahead, and we have it on the boards here, and I will read it to us and break down a portion. And it says, So then, we confess that God fulfilled the promise made to the early fathers and mothers by the mouth of the holy prophets when he sent the only and eternal Son of God into the world at the time appointed. The Son took the form of a slave and was made in human form, truly assuming a real human nature with all its weaknesses except for sin. Being conceived in the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary, by the power of the Holy Spirit, without male participation. And Christ not only assumed human nature as far as the body is concerned, but also a real human soul, in order to be a real human being. For since the soul had been lost as well as the body, Christ had to assume them both, to save them both together. Therefore, we confess against the heresy of the Anabaptists who deny that Christ assumed human flesh from his mother, that Christ shared the very flesh and blood of children, being the fruits of the loins of David, according to the flesh, descended from David, according to the flesh, the fruit of the womb of the Virgin Mary, born of a woman, the seed of David, the root of Jesse, descended from Judah having descended from the Jews according to the flesh, descended from Abraham, having assumed descent from Abraham and Sarah, and was made like his brothers and sisters, yet without sin. In this way, Christ is truly our Emmanuel, that is, God with us. So when we speak of the incarnation, typically we can be speaking of two acts. There is the conception, and then there's the birth of Jesus. Scripture places more of a focus on the latter because it was Jesus' birth that showed to the world of men and angels the fulfillment of God's promise. 
However, both of these events are extremely significant. The climactic moment in which the conceived God-man was born of the Virgin Mary had been predicted and proclaimed by generations of the fathers as they heard of this saving act of God proclaimed by the mouths of his holy prophets. All the sermons of those prophets came to fruition in the fullness of time as the seed of the woman, Christ, was born. I think it's important to note here how the confession interprets Paul's phrase in the fullness of time. Some have speculated that through the ages, this phrase was a reference to God's providential preparation of the Roman Empire, which made the spread of the gospel a possibility with its one culture, era of peace, one language, and many roads. But on the contrary, the confession says this phrase in Paul's writings means, quote, the time appointed by him. When the ages reached their fullness, when the time had come according to God's eternal appointment, the Son was born of the Virgin Mary. What's the difference here? The former has God sort of just waiting. He's waiting, he's hoping, he's anticipating for his moment to act. Where the latter has God as sovereign, having chosen the exact moment for the birth of the Son before the void of the earth had ever been shaped, that the, in that darkness the light would walk in human flesh. This is one of the divine mysteries of our faith, that God became a man, that he who was out without mother in heaven was without father on earth. And we will continue to explore this mystery of godliness in the weeks to come. But for now, I want to close on a slightly lengthy quote from the church father Gregory so that we may marvel as he did at the mystery of the incarnation. He says, The word of God himself, who is before all worlds, the invisible, the incomprehensible, the bodiless, beginning of beginning, the light of light, the source of life and immortality, the image of the archetypal beauty, the immovable seal, the unchangeable image, the Father's definition and word came to his own image and took on him flesh for the sake of our flesh and mingled himself with an intelligent soul for my soul's sake, purifying like by like, and in all points except sin was made man. He came forth then as God with that which he had assumed, one person in two natures. The self-existent comes into being. The uncreated is created. That which cannot be contained is contained by the intervention of an intellectual soul mediating between the deity and the propriety of the flesh. And he who gives riches becomes poor, for he assumes the poverty of my flesh, that I may assume the richness 
of his Godhead. He that is full empties himself, for he empties himself of his glory for a short while, that I may share in his fullness. Let's pray. Almighty Father, we come to you in the name of that blessed Son and by the power of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for our Emmanuel, our God with us. We thank you for his finished work. We thank you for sending him, Father. And we thank you for giving us this Lord's Day to gather together corporately in spirit and truth to worship you and for Christ to serve us the means of grace. And so we pray now, Father, for the preacher who is to give us that word of Christ. May you remind him in these words and by your spirit that he does not stand by merely human power or will but by divine appointment and by the power of your Holy Spirit. And so comfort him in the depths of his soul, Father. We pray also for those who are to hear the word. May Christ be communicated to them. May Christ be held out for them. May they see the glories of the gospel. For those of us who are already justified. May this be a means to where we are sanctified as our faith is grown. And for those of us who are still not yet awake, those of us who are still just those dry bones, you know that they may live. And so we ask you by your word to put flesh on them and bring them to life, Father. Father, 